Welcome everyone to yet another edition of Drunk Agile. So excited. It's, it's always, I mean, so Drunk Agile is always special, but it's extra special um, when we have probably our favorite guest. I would, I shouldn't say, I should, why am I qualifying so that? Why are you no, saying probably? Why? He is our favorite guest. Johanna Rothman, thank you so much for, for being with us today. Well, thank you. And we have to tell people how I got to be your favorite guest because I'm so shy and retiring. Yeah, yeah. We, we really have to draw you out of your shell. Yeah. I know it's... it's, it's yeah, it's no, but no other guest actually sends you an email and says, you need to do a video on this because I need to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And we were just talking about, we, we, we just feel extra prepared when we have you on because you've already sent us everything you're going to talk about. So meanwhile, Dan and I have no yeah. idea. We usually just yeah, sit we, back and... We just sit back. I'm just going to... Put my legs up here and go ahead, Joanna. Right? Um, yeah. All right, that that hurt. Actually, if anyone, in case anyone's wondering, that really that really hurt. Um, do you want to explain your spy size very quickly, Johanna? Do you want to? So these are brand new glasses. I just picked them up yesterday, so I have I have the weird. So they have the coating on them, which we need, right? We we always need whatever coating the the eye doctor gives us. But I, I, I think I look really weird. So here, here's me without my glasses. My eyes are normal, but I do want to see you. So I'll leave them on. No, yeah, we tried to tell her. She look, I think she looks really cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. It's like very, very uh, topical with, with, with the release of Dune. The blue so, eyes. Yeah. So uh, in our excitement, we forgot to introduce the star of the show, of course. Um, everybody plays second fiddle to... Nisha over right, there yeah. some, somewhere. Um, very quickly, Pratik, what are you drinking? Are you drinking anything? What are you drinking? Um, are you drinking anything? I'm drinking. Okay, in that case, I am drinking as well. <laughs> just happen to have something here. <laughs> just just by, by chance, I have something right on my desk. Uh, I've got the Aberfeldy that you brought me last time from Scotland, not this time, but last time. So that, that's, that's the secret, people. Dan goes to Scotland and brings me scotch. Uh, it's 57.7%. Uh, I think this was a bourbon cask. No, it's so, virgin oak. It's actually virgin oak. Oh, it's virgin oak. Yeah, this yep. is virgin oak. So, yeah, there you go. So it's it was bottled straight from the cask. And a Pratik goes, there's stuff in it. Yeah, anyway. Um, I have uh, an Akintoshan that I've been, um, I've been working on. Oh, yeah. I, I suppose you kind of, spoiler alert. In the, in the coming episodes, uh, I'm going to be, or we are going to be debuting a whole bunch of whiskeys that I brought back. Um, but uh, Akintasha, 19-year-old, 52.4% sherry cask. So um, cheers, everybody. Johanna, thanks for, there's your water. Yeah, thank you so much for joining yes, us. Yes, 0%. <laughs> it's 100% water. All right, let's, so let's, let's tee it up. Who, who, who would like to go? What, what, what are we talking about? Who knows what we're talking about? So let me let me let me set it up for Joanna, and after that you take it off, and we are just sitting back. So, Joanna, you sent us an email a little while ago talking about how we have been talking about how Dan and I have been talking a lot about aging and aging of work items, and as things flow through the system, how those work items age and what to do about it, or how to monitor it, all those fun things. But you want to take the discussion to. The next level, the more bigger discussion, as as we as we said before, uh, and and that's that's what we would love to hear. What is this more bigger discussion around aging? 
So I was thinking of it in several dimensions. The first is the defect and the defect tracking and all of all of the um, the culture around defects and needing to know where they are. And I see way too way way too many agile teams doing defect triage meetings. Um, I I don't understand that except. They have this, the only word I have for it is a warehouse, a library, um, this enormous backlog of defects. So when I, I worked recently with a client and I said, how long have you had these defects? I mean, well, and they said, oh, it goes back 10 years, right? This is a 10-year-old product. And I said, I have a deal for you. Um, copy that. Put it someplace on a disk drive or even better a tape and never look at it again. And if if you have anything, somebody reports that you know was there, put it into a new system and then don't let them pile up. Because you, either if you haven't fixed it now, you're not going to. And it's just, it's, it, it's a cognitive load thing, right? You try and... You have all this weight of the defects and you're supposed to finish the work in this iteration. Or if, you know, if you're working on flow, you're still supposed to finish at some point, some stuff. And it's, it's like this, this thing you're trying to pull behind you. Right, so, and, and you should have seen your face when I said that, because I, I was teaching our product owner class and uh, the manager was there, the VP of, of product development. And she said, she, I think she, she gasped. She said, <gasps> when I said throw it away. I think you or me. You, you want to go first or you want me to go first? <laughs> no, you go first. So go, I think, because I, I think uh, you have Joanna beat on that one, the, the number of years on the backlog thing. Oh, I do have a 12 year old story. I do have a 12. <laughs> Because um, because my, my my take on that is always I never know what's more impressive, the fact that they um, they let let the backlog get so big with twelve years worth of stuff, or the or like you're saying the fact that they're still maintaining it. Both both of those just really kind of kind of blow my mind. Um, but so yeah yes you are bringing bringing a new dimension. Pratik and I always I shouldn't say we always but we mostly talk about aging from a predictability perspective. When something is in progress. You know, why are we letting things age arbitrarily? But this arbitrary aging is just as important um, even before work starts. You're right, because that, that is still technically inventory uh, that we're carrying around, that we're caring for, that we're, you know, that we were, we're paying cognitive load for, um, for sure. And it shouldn't be, you're, I mean, it really, and from my perspective, it shouldn't be such a such a radical notion that you know what maybe we only want to carry stuff on our backlog for i don't know a couple of months couple of weeks you know whatever that is because you're right if it ain't if it ain't important by now it ain't never going to be important so what why why are, why are we fooling ourselves yeah Patek? and the other side of this is um is it is it really um work that is not in progress if we are having triage meetings about this stuff in a way, we're spending time doing analysis on this. We're, we're, we're not, it's not just sitting in a backlog somewhere. We're actually working on it. So it really is aging. That's, uh, a, good, that's a good point. Damn it. Yeah, that's, 
No, it's, 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 it's it, no, it is absolutely true. So it, I guess technically from a predictability point, if somebody were to ask us, when will it be done on this particular defect that's been on, you know, in the backlog for 10 years or whatever, um, what, what would we tell them? T 10 more years? I don't know. What, 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 how would you answer that? How, how, would, how would you even begin to answer that? I don't know. Yeah. So. Right, and I think that that's really partly the issue. Partly it's the cognitive load of having to examine this stuff and taking time away from work that would be of more value to customers, to people inside the organization, um, maybe to software support, right? Whoever does support for your product, I'm sure that they, if you ask them, they have 10 things that you could fix right now that would make their lives so, so much better that their cycle time would go down, the number of, of irate calls would go down. I mean, all kinds of stuff that would, that would be good for the entire organization. And instead, um, we have well-meaning managers who are stuck on, on thinking that we can finish all of this at some, in some way. And that finishing, I like the idea of finishing. I don't like the idea of trying to finish stuff that's even a year old. <clears throat> I just don't get it. Um, and so, but def defects weren't the only thing that you mentioned, right? I mean, there's there's a, okay. there's a whole bunch of other stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> so. there was this more bigger thing was was so much. Um, so I really like the idea of a backlog for the near term that we have defined, and I'm I'm never sure how near the near term is. I will I will say that in my experience, anything past a month out. Huh, probably we're not going to do in that form. We're probably going to choose to solve a different problem. We're probably going to choose a different approach. We're going to get some result once we have shipped or released whatever we have now. We're, we're going to change our minds in some way. So while I might want to say what I should say, say, here are the problems that are candidates past the next month or so. And I'm big on rolling wave planning, right? Um, I, I really love my month long rolling wave. So plan for the next two or three weeks, have candidates for the fourth week as we finish this week, um, solidify those in the fourth week if we can and, and keep going that way. So we always have, you know, three weeks to a month of a rolling wave because that's often enough, enough detail for the development team to look ahead, right? They're not, they're not feeling like they get to, um, a certain date or a milestone, and they, they now raise up their heads and say, now what? Give me more work. No, I don't want to do that. But I don't want to make promises, especially to management and to customers, when we're sure we're going to change what we want. That's the problem with all that, that the large roadmaps and, and the detailed planning. Is, is there is the is let me put this let me put the lens of of aging on this because it is is the point there to say what is the age of this committed item from the point of time we committed it we don't want that to exceed as a, a, in this example more more than 30 days we don't want any committed thing to age more than 30 days 
Is that is 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 that kind of where you were going with that aging piece of that? Yeah, because it's more cognitive load. So right. again, I have another client that really likes their 18-month roadmaps and and the detail for next year. Oh my God. I mean, um, and they they do this because they're still they're still focused on yearly planning from their project portfolio, which you know. The fact that I'm working with them now, this is a good thing because I'm not I'm not big on yearly planning. Um, and well, yearly planning, meaning maybe for a quarter, hopefully for six weeks. And let's see where we are um, again, the rolling wave business. But the they are so intent on commitments from from the development teams that they I think I think that they start to lose sight other problems they want to solve for the customers. And that very narrow focus, um, if they have all this stuff that's old in the roadmaps or in the project portfolio, they get stuck on, on, a, um, on a path that does not serve them well. Yeah, pr uh, Pratik and I usually, I'm gonna put words in Pratik's mouth and you know um, he's just gonna agree with me. Um, we probably you'd swing the pendulum too far the other way. We are like huge, huge, huge believers in just in time, just getting it as close as possible to, to just in time. Um, and sometimes that catches you out. Um, let's, let's talk about, can we talk about the global supply chain? What's, what's happening right now? <laughs> um, but um, but in, in general, it's that, you know, thinking about the world in a more just in time way, I, I would argue kind of solves some of the problems you know that that you're talking about. If we if we embrace the fact that who knows what's going to happen, you know, 18 weeks from now, much less 18 months from now, right? I mean, we 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 have we have no idea. But to your point, we we need to have you know as much queued up as possible, ready to go, so we're not necessarily starving, you know, any any downstream process. And um, this is one of the few things. If ever anybody wants to go and go back and listen to our Little's Law video, this is one of the few places where Little's Law really 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 helps us. Um, and, and that's this notion of, you know, you get the most predictable flow um, when the stuff with the rate at which stuff is coming into your process roughly matches the rate that's going out of your process. So if we know, like over the, like you're saying, over the next 30 days, roughly how much stuff is going out of the process, that is the best indicator that we've got in terms of how much stuff we should be, we should be planning to come into the process. And anything more than that is waste, right? I mean, just kind of by definition, it's, it's just waste. Well, I find it so interesting because I, I run my business, I suspect, the same way that you folks run yours. I am a totally just-in-time person. Um, I mean, I have, I have pieces of writing. I have, I don't think of them as inventory because I'm happy to, um, to kill them, right? If, if I no longer am interested in that. But I, I have this notion of these are possibilities of options that I could do. I am, I'm um, thinking about possibilities, options for the workshops I wanna offer next year, um, but I'm not committed to them. And I think there's a difference in the way I think about aging when I think about options versus commitments. Yeah, and I don't, Johanna, I don't know if you know this, but um, for, for several years now um, in the, the Kanban community anyway, um, we've preferred the term like options over backlog, you know, you don't, you, you rarely, you rarely hear the term backlog when, you know, when, 
in the Kanban intelligentsia for, for or, or lack thereof, lack thereof. <laughs> depending on who you're talking about. Um, because, because of that notion, because so many people associate backlog with two things. Number one, that it's committed to, hey, it's in our backlog, it's committed to, we're going to do it. And then number two, because it's committed to, it's prioritized. Um, and when you start moving to this just-in-time world that we're talking about, there is no such thing as commitment and prioritization. There's this just-in-time. It's like, we now have capacity to do something. So only at that point does it really make sense to start talking about, okay, what should, what should we be doing? Because what is our capacity going to be in 18 months? You know, what is the business landscape going to be like in 18 months? Who would have predicted predicted COVID 18 months in advance? You know, I mean, you know, th things like that. So um, just just some, some uh, you know, I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but that, that's kind of the preferred preferred terminology, you know, in, in the Kanban world is options versus backlog. So I, I'm anyway, I'm just my heart is leaping for joy because you're you keep saying options, 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 which is wonderful validation right. for us. And also just to just to kind of similar to how we were talking about defects earlier, when you think about this backlog, quote unquote, which has all, what is it called, a well-ordered backlog, when new options come in, what are you gonna do? You're gonna reorder everything? Because think about that cognitive load as well of maintaining the order of 500 things and new things are coming in at all times. We don't, do we yeah. do a, a bubble sort on that or what? How do we do that? I don't know. Merge sort, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's like... Well, and that's so one of the things uh, I, I started to come at this from the project portfolio right, perspective. And um, when my client said the developers aren't getting enough stuff done, I said, don't give them more or stop what they're doing, right? Let people stop call it done, um, get it off the list, somehow um, reduce all of the stuff that's in progress, that this whole notion of whip. So, cause I, that was even before I, I understood Little Song. So I didn't know about it, oh well. Um, but I mean, it was very clear that if you have fewer things that you have to finish, you are much more likely to finish several things that make more sense that are more valuable. So it's all about where do you find the value and how do you, well, at least I, I want you guys to answer this question. How do I help my clients understand the, the notion of aging? They're much better with WIP, right? They understand that a lot of work in progress is not helping them finish stuff, but I want to help them also understand why aging, especially and the, and the more bigger, right, um, above the level of a given team, even above the level of the given program, that thinking in terms of commitments for all of, all of this stuff is making everybody crazy because it hangs around for so long. I don't know if it helps, but I mean, I would, I would start talking about the the perishability if they, if they understand inventory if they understand the inventory is bad then i would start talking about the perishability of of that inventory you know um there's there's an example about taichi ono um that may or may not be true we don't know um when he was first starting out that he studied american supermarkets because you know they were very very good at inventory control because you know think about it what would happen to a supermarket especially back in the 1940s what would happen to a supermarket that constantly stocked their shelves full of stuff that, that nobody wanted to buy you know, sooner or later, that thing, that stuff would age to the point where it would no longer, no longer be useful. 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, and that inventory immediately becomes waste at that point. I don't know if that's an angle that you, that, you know, that you can take if they're already understanding the inventory side of things, you know, talk about the, the you know, the perishability of, of inventory, maybe, you know, that, that inventory, it's a, it's a liability, it's not an asset, you know, um, I don't know, Pratik. I, I think, I think the, 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 there is so much around WIP that people have talked about that it's an easier concept to explain. I think we have really started, at least in our community, talking about aging very recently. So there aren't a lot of examples, aren't a lot of metaphors that we can throw at it. Um, but for me, the, the closest thing that comes to me is, when do your customers want things? Most of the time, it's now or yesterday. It's, it's, it's not you know, three months from now, regardless of what level that item is at. Um, and the, the, the absolute precursor to how long it takes us to get stuff done is age. The longer things are sitting in our system, the age eventually becomes cycle time. If the longer things are sitting in our system, the longer things are taking, the longer things will take. That's a Yogi Bearism after a while now here. Um, and that, that's because our customers want things as quickly as possible, as if we can keep the age of items as low as possible in, in our system, we will be able to, to successfully fulfill that promise. I think I think perishability is better. I think it's a better metaphor. I'm just saying, just, just going to throw that out there. I think it's. I think, I think, and Dan and I have had this conversation of, you know, of all the flow metrics, you know, whip, throughput, cycle time, age. Really, if you just paid attention to age, that's if that's the only thing you paid attention to, the rest of it will just take care of itself. Because the only way to age, keep only ways to keep age low are work on fewer things and work on smaller things. That's it. And that will take care of everything else. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we answered uh, the question though. <laughs> I find that so interesting because we have so many systems from based on cost accounting that are anti that. Mm -hmm. And um, while I'm not gonna, I have suggested to my clients, they don't need to use cost accounting to manage their processes. They might have to report cost accounting, fine. That's, I mean, all of us do, that we're companies, that's what we do, but we don't have to use that to manage. And that's starting to break a um, bunch of, um, I'm not sure I should say break brains, but- <laughs> You can say it. Um, certainly break their mental models. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where people are having trouble saying, I sort of understand this, Johanna. And that I, I bring out my little measures of their decision cycle time, because that's a measure of aging also, right? That they're, they're stuck trying to decide on something for months and months and months. This is a whole another session that we might have to have you back to talk about, because you've just, you've just hit on something, you know, this is, I know, Johanna, have we talked about Dan's Dan's theory of corporate dysfunction. Have we talked about this at all? No, no. no tell me. My, my belief is that eighty percent, maybe more than eighty percent, greater than eighty percent of corporate dysfunction can be traced back to its accounting practices. Period. Right. And you're talking about you're talking about cost accounting things like 
does this cost need to be capitalized or not? You know, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Th th those types of things. I think it can all be, you know, what what is my um, internal charge rate for, you know, if I have a, you know, a developer on this team and I want to put them over on this team and, and th th those those types of conversations. So that's, that's that's a completely different topic, but you're actually and and and. The challenge that I always throw down to Agile is I believe this is a problem that Agile has never solved and, and hasn't even attempted to solve. And, but I think it's kind of the biggest thing out there that really, really needs to be solved. So we're kind of off on a tangent here, yeah. but maybe we should have you back <laughs> to, to, to talk about talk about that um, and how people like, um, you know, Eli Goldratt came up with like throughput accounting as a way to try and kind of break break through that. There's the beyond budgeting movement that, you know, mm -hmm. is, is trying to, you know, re-scope re how we think about um, budgets and accounting and things like that. Anyway, maybe a teaser for a future episode or several future episodes, I don't know. Yeah. Once we, once we start trying that, tying that back to value, that's another episode. Yeah. Oh, true, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. we can't because we, we can't know value up front. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot about that. We can know that for sure. Um. So I mean, uh, I guess long story short, I don't know what, what what more we have to talk about here. But long story short is, a, aging bad, right? I mean, but but for humans, but for humans, aging people good. good right? yeah. Aging for people good. Yeah. Um, humans and dogs. But, humans and dogs. But for yeah, for. But for for anything that we're working on, you know, as, as part of our process, whether it's whether we think is actively in pro process, or there's critique was suggesting, whether it's implicitly in in progress, uh, because it's it's in a backlog, or as Johanna's saying, it's on a roadmap or whatever. Um, aging, this aging is something I totally agree. It's something that we should be looking at everywhere. You know. Um, uh, what do we say to the people? Let me let me let me throw something out there because I, I get this all the time. Uh, it drives me nuts. Um, I get this all the time. What 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 do we say to people? Is like, well, we don't. Uh, I don't care how long it takes. You know, I don't, I don't care about predictability. I don't care how long it takes. Um, we've got this strategy that that it, we're going to implement, and you know, whether it takes one years or three years or whatever, I don't care. You know, what that's just. What what what, what do we say to those so, people? What I have said actually. Um, I believe it was three weeks ago to a client who actually said that to me. He, he said, I don't care how long it takes as long as it gets done. And I said, I know you do. I know you do because it's on, it's on this roadmap. It's in this backlog. You're asking people about it all the time. You're, um, you're irritating the people who are working on the stuff that needs to happen first. I know you care. And the problem is you care too much. You are impatient for the stuff that needs to happen now. So you are ready. So the organization is ready for this stuff that you say you don't care. So you do care. Yeah. He said, well, yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> well, and, and getting, getting back to the cost accounting thing, once that shows up as a line item on a profit loss statement or, or something yeah. like that, then I guarantee they're going to care too. You know, um, yeah, that, that, as, as, as soon as you put it on the roadmap, some customer somewhere cares because they saw it and they're like, now the other side of that is that's where they'll, the, the ne next thing I hear is, yeah, it's fine. We'll get it done by October, but it's okay if I start in January and then I slowly peg away at it to kind of get it done by October. And that's where, that's where I am at a loss for words. <laughs> That's why I go, Dan, you talk to them. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it's a priority, it's a priority, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
we all know from our uh, from our own work that the longer something stays and not done in some kind of insufficient state, the longer it will stay. And I know that's a little saw and I yeah, but we know that from experience. We can talk about that with with our colleagues and our our clients because they've seen this. Um, can I tell uh, a story about my husband? Yeah, he's not here. I can tell a story about him. <laughs> you know, every you guys are husbands. I bet you have honeydew lists. That's the wife creates a list for the honey to do yeah. preferably on a yeah. weekend. Yeah, it's more it's uh, more like honey. honey now, damn it. Yeah, but yeah, okay. <laughs> So yeah, I have my honeydew list and I, um, there was, uh, I start my honeydew list on Thursdays because I know that my husband really does not like to see them when he's just finished a weekend, mm-hmm. right? So I, I know my customer. So I start my, my list on a Thursday and um, one particular week about, uh, I guess four or five months ago, I said something like oil the, the door from the garage into the house because it was squeaking. And so he, 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 instead he took a long bike ride, I think both days, he didn't quite get around to it. Fine, you know, I can give him around to it at some point. Um, so it was on the list for the next weekend, the next week. Um, three, three months later, um, he was, I believe he was traveling and I realized that the door from the garage into the house was almost off, um, off the hinge. You know how the thing, the hinges, move up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And luckily my daughter came to visit and she said to me, do you have a rubber mallet? Uh, yeah. She said, well, you're going to lose the door unless I, unless I put the hinge back in. Okay, fine. Funny about that, but the hinge back in made this week go away. <laughs> so, um, so it was, it aged and it aged very badly. It was almost a disaster. Um, luckily, you know, my daughter rescued me, but because I, I don't get up on a stool, um, uh, vertigo here, right? I don't, I don't do that anymore. So, but that was, that was the kind of thing where because we let it age and I, I let it age also, we almost had a very big problem because I would have, I'm not sure what I would have done. I would have called me uh, Naomi and then I would have freaked out. Because yeah, so, so uh, that's where um, the more in progress stuff we have, the worse the consequences are. If he had said to me, "I'm not going to do that. Go find somebody," I would have found a handyman. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, that's that's the fundamental problem with aging is delay begets delay, right? And that's what you're saying. The longer something is delayed. The, long, the, the more likely it is that it's going to be delayed. And all of a sudden we're bringing a whole bunch of things into play that might not otherwise have been you know, an option, right? Um, ha- had we pick, fixed the squeak right away, there was no danger of the door falling off its hinge. But now, because we let it, we let it age so long, now, now, now that's an option. You know? And so that's, that is the problem is the longer you let something delay, now the, the universe of possibilities that, that can, uh, can arise to, to really screw us. I don't know, I don't know what, the, the, what the right word is there. Um, to, to let the door fall off the hinge. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, becomes that, that the universe becomes, you know, infinitely bigger. So that, yeah, that's, that's, that's ultimately why aging is so bad because we can't predict the future. We can't know what's going to happen. We got to control what we can control. And usually one of the things we can control is aging. So if we can't control that, why, why wouldn't we? Yeah. My, my, my wife usually solves the aging of items on the honeydew list problems by using a few choice Spanish words that usually just fixes the problem. Yeah. Well, there is something very special about husbands and wives that is different <laughs> from the workplace. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I cannot I, use those fear, words at the workplace. <laughs> fear, are we, are we putting fear in there? Um, is that, yeah. Well, and I, I think that my example of the door is a little different than the defect tracking system because we have already learned to live with those problems. Right. Mm. Those problems are not causing more cascading defects, yep. right? Uh, often. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the thing. Might, maybe they are, maybe they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and the only way to find out if they are is delete the defects. And if it comes up again, it's still causing a problem. Let's go fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Johanna, last word? You wanna? Okay, um, aging. Bad, except for people. And, and, and options, dogs. good, and, and dogs, yeah. 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 I can see Nisha back there. Um, options, good. And um, I think if I needed to add a third is how can we possibly make decisions with, with possibilities, these options in mind, as opposed to long-term commitments, right? Long-term commitments, good for marriage, and not so good for, not for uh, solving problems for customers. Yeah. Um, there you have it. Aging, aging bad. <laughs> but and but I mean yeah. The, I think I, I, so. It's just just the, thank you for Johanna for 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 bringing to light. We always talk about aging from a predictability perspective. There's so many other aspects of aging that are um, that, that you need to watch out for that we just have, have never mentioned before. So hopefully this video has brought some of those things uh, things to light. Thank you so much for our favorite guest for being here. Maybe we can, maybe we can talk you into coming back on to talk about some of the, the cost accounting corporate dysfunction stuff um, a little bit later. I think that, that might be a fun episode too. We'd have to probably have two drinks for that one. Yep. <laughs> so um, for Nisha there in the background, she actually, she actually moved. Um, and for, uh, for Pratik Singh, my name is Daniel Vacanti. I want to say thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you in the next episode. Good night, everybody. Okay.